Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Restoring Grace Radio on blogtalkradio.com. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Thank you for joining us either live or on archives. Restoring Grace Radio is here to provide online lessons about the Christian faith, our history, our documents, and how to express our faith to a very needy world. Thank you for listening, and now, on to our broadcast. My name is David Fournier, Senior Instructor here at Restoring Grace. Whether you're joining us either live or on archive, thank you so much uh, for being part of the Zohar and 15 show. It's good to be back. Um, you know, there's just a lot of craziness going on right now in the world with, you know, all kinds of, well, you, you know about it. We don't need to talk about it. But and sometimes you got to take a break and kind of sit back and, and let things kind of run their course. And that's what we decided to do. We took about a week and a half hiatus from some of the programs uh, so that people would be able to just kind of, you know, mourn what's happening and go through what's happening and just be a part of it. So anyway, I want to talk to you tonight. The Zohar in 15 section tonight is about being humble enough to receive. Being humble enough to receive. Uh, Zohar, if you have the English Zohar from the Kabbalah Center, it's Zohar volume number seven, portion Vayika. It's chapter 60, verses 606 to 607. And you'll find it on page 317. You know, the Zohar is an amazing resource of cleverly hidden yet obtainable stories. And sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes not so obvious. But this one here is kind of neat because it's not so much just a lesson about Torah, even though it is. It's not just a lesson from the Zohar, even though it is. It really comes down to a story that's being told. And the story is awesome. Now, it's one of my favorite stories to talk about. I like this. It's an ongoing theme throughout it. But it's about learning humility. Learning humility. Sometimes learning humility is the ability to listen to uh, difficult sayings or difficult things from somebody who's very close to you, who's trying to guide you, trying to help you along your way. And, and I don't like, I don't know how many other ministers listen to the broadcast, but I don't like preparing lesson material that's addressing where I'm stuck. I don't like it. I don't like it when I'm stuck somewhere. And so sometimes I'll pick a specific thing like this just to do it, just so I can work on myself. And if it works for you, that's great. Now, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yitzchak are traveling together on and off throughout the entire Zohar narrative. And they observe a conversation taking place between a donkey driver and a man with some kind of means or some kind of wealth. Now, donkey drivers during these days, uh, that's not just somebody who doesn't know how to drive. A donkey driver during these days were used as a guide. They knew how to handle the donkeys. They were able to direct them. They knew where the water sources were. They fed the animals during the travel. travel so kind of just think like an ancient chauffeur. Now, one Zohar story even talks about a tremendously talented Torah scholar, 
serving as a donkey driver. And the rabbi said, why are you doing this? You could be teaching a, in a famous yeshiva. You could be wealthy. You could be doing so many things. Um, and he said that it was because of the prophecy of Messiah. He knew that the prophecy of Messiah was that he would enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And he wanted to be the one who is the donkey driver for the Messiah. Now, I want to read to you verse 606, and we'll get started. While they were walking, they met a child who was walking to Cappadocia behind a donkey, upon which rode an old man. And the man said to the child, my son, read to me a passage of scripture. He said to him, I know not one, but many passages. But alight first, come off the donkey, or let me ride before you, and I will recite it. The old man said to him, when, why then did you ask, I'm sorry, the old man said to him, I am old and you're a child, and I don't want to be on the same level with you. The child said to him, why then did you ask me to recite verses to you? He said, so we shall walk together. The child said, may this old man hang himself who rides and knows nothing, but says he does not want to be on a level, wish to be on a level with me. And he left the old man and he walked on the road. Both in Kabbalah and in Judaism, they teach what's called as it is above, it is below. And that means that lessons in the physical world lend itself to the spiritual teaching, and lessons in spiritual teaching lend itself to the lessons of the world and vice versa. The writer in this story, he wants to hear passages of, of, of Scripture on his journey. And this is a noble request. There's nothing wrong with that. But it turns out that this donkey driver, this child, has many that he knows, and he's willing to share. Now, in the Zohar, it doesn't matter if, this, if he is a child or if he's just a young man or if he's new to Torah. It doesn't matter what this child and old man relationship is. But it turns out that he doesn't know just one. He knows a lot. But for reasons that are not explained at first, which, by the way, is a normal path whenever you're studying the Zohar, the child asks either to ride with the man or have the man come down, basically stop the journey while he shares with him. Now, this greatly offends, greatly offends the, the man, the passenger. He senses that by doing this action, he's lowering the status. He says right there, he says, I am old, you're a child. I don't want to be on the same level with you. And then the child's going to ask a great question. He said, well, if you don't want to be on the same level with me, why would you want to hear what I have to say about Scripture? But that's a story for another time. It's not about stopping the, the journey or sharing the donkey. For the old man, it's about being on the same level. We are currently suffering spiritually, nationally, in our humanity because of this concept about the idea that humanity is at different levels, that humanity has different respect, they should have different respect, that, that there are certain kinds of humans that are above other kinds of humans. That may work for them, but that's not going to work for me. This is what I have earned, but they have not. This is where I live, but people don't live here. Because we refuse as a human community, as humans together, to be on that same level, much, maybe all, of the suffering that we go through and the challenges that we face, much of that suffering is because we refuse to be on the same level with the rest of humanity. Our, our ego is in the way. We cannot be humble. I had a conversation with a very dear friend who pointed out an observation about me and some challenges that I have in my personal life, the way I, I see the world, the way I act it, in it. 
It was a conversation a little bit about my viewpoints and how I present them. And it was very difficult, very difficult to hear. I like to consider myself, and I'm the only person that thinks this, but I like to consider myself a, a somewhat of an intellectual, an educated person that when I frame some words for something or I put something together, I put some thought into it. I put some thought into it. And I was shooting exactly where this person said, right down the middle. But they were able to say to me, that's good that you can think it through. It's good that you can word it like this. But in a sense, you're not really taking a stand. You're just saying both sides of this are wrong. And that you have a message you need to make. Anyway, well, my ego was really struggling with this. It's like, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been studying this for a long time. I know what I'm doing. I'm very old in this. I'm very experienced in it. But I've got to get out of my own way because this old man, his ego would not allow him to be seen at the same level as someone that could help him. Oh, I want you to think about that for a minute. His ego would not allow himself to be seen at the same level as somebody that could help him. No, no, this person's going to help me. has to be way above me, way more honorific, way more smarter. And that I can say, well, I submitted because they were great. I submitted because they were wise. I submitted because they were learned. This is a huge spiritual liability. People miss connections all the time, sent by God because of their ego. A chance to, to experience real fulfillment, a chance to, to see life in a very different way, to taste life in a very different way. But because of their ego? No. It's got to be something so much bigger. I'm not taking advice from a child. We, when we are completely full of ourselves, we leave no room for the Spirit of God to work. Let me say that again. When we are completely full of ourselves, we leave no room for the Spirit of God to work or to fill us. People are saying, oh, God, fill me, fill me. And God's up there. I wonder at times, like, where am I putting this? Your cup is so full of you, there's no room for me. There's no place at the table for me because you've got it all set up for yourself. Humbling ourselves opens up at the soul level to learn, to partake, and to grow, and to grow for good. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, that's one thing I want to talk about for just a moment. Everyone talks about growing, but they're really just talking about getting fat. Everyone talks about the idea of, I want to grow spiritually. I want to know more. I want to gain more. For what? What would you do with it if you got it? There's a difference between spiritually growing and spiritually growing for good. There's a difference between giving somebody something and pure sharing. There's a difference because those outcomes, when we're pure sharing with somebody and giving with no intention of getting it back, then I'm telling you what we're doing at that moment is the highest call of it all. That's when we are growing for good. Now, the rebuke of the child back is pretty harsh. But we need to examine carefully what he says here. He does not say that he wants to hang the man. He says the old man is hanging himself. Let's read that line again. The child said, may this old man hang himself. He didn't say, I'm going to get some rope and string this guy up. So what could he possibly be meaning by the idea of that this guy 
He's hanging himself. What he's saying is simple. His arrogant behavior and his attitudes are causing his spiritual suicide. There are so many people that have a saved soul and a lost life. It's amazing to me. A saved soul and a lost life. Now, verse number 607, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yishkak have now arrived. The child approaches them, and they asked him, and he told them what happened. And Rabbi Yehuda says, you have acted rightly. Come with us, and let us sit here and hear your words. He says to them, I'm very weary. I have not eaten today. They took out bread, and they gave it to him. And a miracle happened, and they found a streamlet under a tree. And he drank of it, and they drank of it, and they sat down. So the rabbis, they get the story, and and by the way, rabbis often do, and they offer advice. That's what they do. Rabbis listen to what you say, they get the story, and they offer advice. Now, they explain to the child that he did right, which what leads them to this conclusion. I mean, he said, I hope that guy hangs himself. Not typically a rabbinically approved statement. What leads them to this? Why was it right for the child, in a sense, to place conditions on reading the scripture? Wouldn't we say, hey, if somebody wants to hear the Bible, if somebody wants to hear scriptures, we should just give it to them. We should just do this. We We live in the age of the cheapest grace and the cheapest spirituality and the cheapest attendance and the cheapest commitment of the Christian faith we've ever lived in, probably in the history of the Christian faith. The bread of shame is what we call it. The bread of shame, you draw no value or no light for things you did not work for. And in spiritual work, this matters greatly. We don't read just to read. It's not a punishment. It's not a time-situated constraint where we have to do something. during. We, we read to grow for the good, and we get the light from it. We take that light, we share that light with others. We, we purely share. The bread of shame has no value. It may taste good, it may feel good while it's happening, but in the end, it has no value. When they ask to share scripture, he tells them that what the older man did not listen to, which was why he wanted to stop. The old man in verse 606 doesn't say, well, why do you want to stop? Or why do we need to stop? He would have heard him say, I'm weary and I need to eat. So often people are right in front of us. They have needs. They have things that need to happen. They may or may not know how to vocalize them. I went through this experience myself just last week. There was something that was on. There was something I was trying to get done. It was on my mind. It was in my spirit. I couldn't vocalize it. I I couldn't bring the words out. And so, somebody who cares, somebody pure sharing, did those for me. So what do the rabbis do? They solve the problem at hand. They got food and water. We often miss the power and connection of each moment by worrying more about fulfilling our role over helping the needs of others. I'm a rabbi. I'm a teacher. I'm a saint. I'm a whatever you may think you are. I'm sure you are. And we think about those roles and what would it look like if we did something like this. Meanwhile, we're not connecting in that moment. Now, what's interesting is remember we said, as it is above, it is below, as it is below, it is above, a streamlet of water breaks out around them. And they have their food, 
They have their water. They're sitting down. They're receiving the word. Because when we help the needs of others, our needs also are met. You see, folks, we often simply just aren't humble enough to receive. We want to know who we're receiving from. If somebody said, hey, there's a knock at the door, and they go and answer it, and somebody said, hey, David Fournier is at the door, and he wants to talk to you about some things in your life. Who's that? What's he doing here? Knock, knock, knock. They come in. They say, hey, Tony Robbins is here. He's at the door. Man, you'd be prepping the house and vacuuming and, you know, putting out your crazy cat that tends to attack strangers, and you'd sit down. You see, we think people need to be in a certain place. They need to be in a certain type of spirituality to receive advice. God is sending us signals all throughout our day. Every person you meet is a messenger. And we look and we say, oh, that person can't help me, that person. And we walk right by that. And when we take time to sit down and listen to somebody and meet their needs, the miracles that happen, happen for everyone. My name is David Fournier. Whether you join me live or on archive, thanks for hanging out with me on this edition of the Zohar in 15.